Welcome back to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to hang out with your favorite co-workers and talk about what you watched last night. I am Matt Scalisi, and joining me is my virtual office buddy, Caroline Darney. Caroline, welcome back to the Water Cooler. Thanks. We're excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. The we in this situation are all the dogs that are currently at my parents' house. There are six <laughs> dogs here. Um, so it's, a, it's an adventure at all times. So any background noise, not my fault. It's probably Maverick. So, so you're back. You're back home for for the holiday week. I am. I've got a couple friends uh, hanging out at my parents' place. So once we get all the the work done, we'll be in time to kayak and hang by the pool and cornhole. Kayaking. And, what an yeah. adventurous family. I know. I'll watch. Well, it's fun, <laughs> fun. This is where I always like tell a short story that nobody asked for. Uh, my good friend Brian one is here, and last he, they were here two years ago, um, and we took the kayaks out, uh, and there was a mouse in his. <laughs> oh my god. Which, we found, thankfully, before we went in the water, because he would have been in the water. Can you imagine you're, like, in a kayak, just, like, cruising along in this river? I'm out. And got, I'm like, out. a friend <laughs> joined so Honestly, not the worst living creature you could have found in there, probably, but... Uh, snake. I was... Yeah. So it was it, look, I will tell you what. It was the... It was as if a Disney-drawn field mouse had come to life. Like, it was the <laughs> cutest little thing you've ever seen in your entire life. And I'm not a person, I'll tell you what, I'm not a person who's like terrified of mice. Like I would rather. No, have... It's just, it's just the sensation of there being an alive thing where you didn't oh, yeah, think 100%. it was a live thing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's become a running joke. We're like, we can do kayak and just make sure Brian's has a mouse in it. So <laughs> poor Brian. <laughs> well, later, later in the show today, we're going to be joined by Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Fullcast, one of our one of our personal faves here on yes. uh, for the water cooler, and he's yes. going to be discussing the Italian Job, the film from two thousand three. <laughs> for some reason, topical recent not, movie. It is not our job to decide what people bring to the pop culture potluck here on the podcast. We just get here, so we'll be excited to talk about that with Ryan. But first, we're going to get to some pop culture headlines this week, and. I would say, look, there's there's a lot going on at summer movie season, but everything kind of stopped a little bit this week when we got a big casting announcement that people have been eagerly anticipating for a while. Yep. We have a new Superman and Lois Lane cast going forward into the future. This is always a, a highly controversial thing. People have very strong opinions about these characters. What? And no, about comic book characters, <laughs> particularly these, I would say. Um, but we get we have a, a first of all, I would say, no disrespect intended at all, but a relative newcomer for sure yes. playing Superman in David Corn Sweat is. Uh, I, I could be saying that wrong. It could be Corn's Wet. I don't. <laughs> we're all gonna have to learn his name eventually, and. Um, and you, he, he is a face that you may have seen in a couple of other projects before. He's been in a few Ryan Murphy shows on Netflix, uh, particularly The Politician. Uh, and starring opposite him in, in James Gunn's new Superman movie will be Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Miss Maisel as Lois Lane. Uh, a much more recognizable name, although yeah. certainly not a movie star as of yet. So, Caroline, as a person who is a big at least Marvel fan uh, and and fan of the concept of superhero movies, but maybe not a person who's really been sold on DC or really into those characters. How do you feel about this? Does this, 
does this generate excitement for you as a moviegoer to 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 want to be involved, to want to get into whatever this new version of DC is that we have coming? I am completely torn because I will tell you what, when they announced Henry Cavill as Superman, I was jazzed, so stoked, loved him and everything. I'll t- he, he's been one of the 13-year-old Caroline saw him in The Count of Monte Cristo, where he played the son that was kidnapped. Fun fact for those of you that have not uh, seen that in a while. But yes, he was the son and 13-year-old Caroline was like, he's cute. Um, fast forward to the tutors, fast forward to everything else. He gets announced as Superman. I was actually on deployment. I remember this specifically because I picked up the like entertainment weekly and I like, it was just like being in high school and like having a locker. I put it on the, on the door of my little room in our trailer. Um, and cause he's like, to me, born to play Superman. Sure. He's British. I get it. Sure. Like, you know, he's not from Kansas, but he has the look of everything. And I just really, truly did not enjoy man of steel and i think that they underutilized henry cavill and i think that i that's just the entire kind of vibes that i got from a lot of the dc movies i'm still a huge wonder woman stan i loved aquaman because that thing was just like wild but like i just did not love justice league i didn't love man of steel so i had a it did not love batman versus superman that's like a generous way of me saying i did not like it um <laughs> so all that to say is like I'm still kind of mad that I don't think that he got the run that he should have as Superman. And I think it was a little messy how it ended. Um, and I think it's tough for a newcomer who people are like, Oh, he looks just like Henry Cavill. Guess what folks? Henry Cavill looks like Superman. That's <laughs> right. Why. That's why yes. he looks like Henry Cavill because he looks like Superman. And the character's supposed to look like Superman. So it's, it's, and, and I will say it's, it's not like, it's not like we live in a world in which, the idea of encountering a sort of like hunky brunette with a spit curl is completely inconceivable. Like, that, right, it's right. A, it's a type of guy. Yeah, Henry Cavill is not the only one who has this this look. <laughs> and so I think that the like visually, I think he fit like he fits perfectly. It is definitely tough, and yet also I think complementary to be compared to Henry Cavill. Because if you're mentioned in the same breath, I think that's a huge like. If you're talking about the physical looks of someone, and you're like. <laughs> Oh, he looks like Henry Cavill. Like, wow. Yes. I wouldn't be offended take, for sure. Yeah, you take that and uh, you run with it. It goes on, <laughs> it goes on the like on the resume ASAP. Kind of looks like Henry Cavill. Um, I do think I do think one thing that probably bothers people about the the change specifically is a lot of people have said like he he doesn't uh, without without saying as much, I think they're like he looks smaller, he looks younger, he doesn't well, look as like masculine and older as henry cavill which is part of the point i mean james gunn is trying to do a story about a young version of superman that's why he recast the character in the first place otherwise it would have you would have just stuck with henry cavill but um yeah i I, so i mean look i I think i think the jury's going to be out on david corn sweat until we see him because people just don't know what he is but what's what's your feeling about rachel brosnahan as as a you know quippy newspaper reporter yeah i think they nailed that absolutely nailed it i think that she i think she's pretty versatile because you see pictures of her uh like when they you know and then they do the things like oh the cast has been announced and they put the side-by-side pictures like she doesn't look like Ms. mazel in those pictures like not at I, I think all yeah it's, it's crazy yeah, there's a lot of like versatility so if you think that you're only going to get if you're think if your thought process is oh we're getting this woman that played a you know time period comedian 
like that's not who you're getting as Lois Lane. Like you're getting a very talented actress who has great comedic delivery, which I think is extremely important for someone like Lois Lane. Cause Lois Lane has to put up with a ton of stuff. <laughs> like I, I still, my biggest, and this is a comic book thing. My biggest beef with Superman <laughs> is like, are you really telling me that the glasses, like that's what, like how dumb is everyone in this world? <laughs> and so like, I think it will be, I think she's going to be great. I think it'll, he's, I think he's, cause also the other thing with him, if you look at pictures of Henry Cavill, when Henry Cavill got cast that he does not look, he does not look like Henry Cavill looked in that first movie. So I think there will probably be more uh, grace given to the cast when those like cast photos or set photos start leaking in whatever, how many years when all of a sudden David Cornsweet's like jacked and looks great in the costume. And she puts on the, you know, great low, like you get like a clip of Lois Lane and people are going to love it. And, it's just a matter of what kind of patience will people have with the new resurgence or takeover of James Gunn. So there's, you know, yeah, we, we talked about the flash before and like, kind of, is this a bad indicator? I think whatever this, this movie, not to stress anyone out, but this movie has to be really good. If the DCEU wants to, and, and I think you have to sell people on Superman. I, I think I think that when I talk to my friends who are not comic book people, they the overwhelming answer you get about Superman is I don't understand why I should care about this character. He yeah. other than that he can do everything. He's he's yeah. all powerful except if you hold this green rock near him. And <laughs> it's it's a I don't think that they've really nailed it yet. And I think people who no. love Superman and have read the comics and I'm certainly I, I I'm not somebody who's read a ton of Superman comics, but I've read the stuff that James Gunn has said is like the direct inspiration for what he's yeah. trying to do. And it's very uh it's very emotionally effective and it it's really built around a lot of things that are very popular right now and that are doing well with with audiences. I don't I, I know that we always talk about I, I've I think I've talked about Ted Lasso every episode so far. <laughs> But there's a lot of Ted Lasso in modern Superman because ultimately the whole point of the character is what if a nice guy yeah. was really powerful? Wouldn't that be a, isn't that a weird idea? Because there's, because almost one who is powerful in real life is kind of an a-hole. So <laughs> it, it, that's the novelty of the idea. And I don't think they've really done that in a movie effectively yet. Um, yeah. So I think the I, best yeah. were, the best were the Christopher Reeve ones still, right? You know, like the closest the, in, to what it felt like to read a Superman yeah, story. And the Brandon Routh, he was he was fine. I think that's the thing too, is like I don't dislike again, you will never find someone who was more on board with the casting than Henry Cavill. I just think it also when that movie came out, the uh, Man of Steel was in that time frame where everyone was blowing up everything. And yes. I think that really it was at the tail end, I think, of when that was really starting to get not as much love where it's like you just destroyed an entire city for what like what are we doing like what is the right like, what, what's the what's the plan here and i think that the, it had that was one of the issues that people have that i had with it at least i was just like okay great you threw him through another building like cool all right um and so i think that's right. going to be important and where i trust james gunn in that sense is you know some of the he took guardians and gave guardians of the galaxy an unknown comic book entity for the majority of casual fans obviously the diehard marvel fans knew knew who the guardians were etc etc 
but had me completely invested in a CGI raccoon's life. Like I, it's wild. It's crazy that you. That, I mean, that's you the word everybody. That's yeah. the word everybody says about the Guardians movies is that the weird thing about them that you're not expecting is they have heart to them. They yes. are actually care about you their care. own characters yeah. and it makes you care about it and I, I if that's that's what superman needs yeah. it is i just think most people who go to movies don't care about superman and they don't know why they should and i i i'm confident james gunn can pull it off uh but but we'll see i mean i yeah. i i mostly like this casting move uh and i like most of what i've seen him do so far in charge of dc for for all the movies that will start with this one i yes. i think he got handed a pretty bad he got dealt a pretty bad hand to start out with and i don't know yeah. that there was much he could do about it no i, I mean I, I will uh unless like things come out that i actually honestly think that a relative unknown in the lead i think it's a good balance of people knowing who rachel brosnahan is um with i think sometimes you just need a relative unknown because now you look at like chris hemsworth and he's wildly popular chris hemsworth had been like the dad of james t kirk who dies at the beginning of star trek spoiler alert and a couple other things he'd been in neighbors he'd been in a couple things here there but chris hemsworth was not a household name chris evans was barely a household name unless you saw the one where the the perfect score and the she's all that parody movie like you know i mean like he was starting to rise but like so these were guys that when when Marvel cast a lot of these leading men, they were not who they are now, these massive, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it I wasn't stunt it. casting. Yeah. It, it yeah. wasn't like plug in a celebrity here. Right. Right. So I like, I like, I think that that's a good, I give that a point in his favor rather than a knock against him is that he's someone that a few people have seen him in and enjoyed his work in. I've not, I haven't really seen any stuff online where people are like, that guy's terrible. You know what I mean? Like where he was. No, actually there's, there's a clip of him from one of the Netflix shows he was on uh, called the politician where there's a, there's a joke in the show about how he looks like Superman. There's a, there's like a line in the show. So yeah. they, they, they already knew at some point and, and, I'm and sure I'm, people have been looking at him for a while. I game put Nicholas Holt in as Lex Luthor. I know Nicholas Holt has tried out for a lot of these superhero roles and He's, just missed out on Batman, just missed out on Superman. I think you could give him the kind of like more serious Lex Luthor type role and he would thrive in that. I, I really, I really think Nicholas Holt is ideally suited for stuff like what he did in the, the menu, menu. Yeah. which is that he's, and I'm sure he's a lovely person in real life, yeah. but he's in movies. He just really puts out that like little wormy, nasty guy <laughs> vibe, you know? Yeah. And I say this as a, as a relatively as a fan. Guy. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I speak as, as a member of the wormy community. As a fellow wormy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of worms, the uh, head of, of Warner discovery uh, I hope we are not affiliated with them in any way, but they uh, they announced last week that in a yet another incredibly unpopular move that they were going to be firing the entire leadership team of Turner Classic Movies, um, and this this led to a lot of people being really upset. There's already been a lot of uh, sort of hand-wringing and upheaval about the way that Warner Brothers is treating its incredibly huge library of classic films that they own. Uh, 
Uh, and this was a really big blow to that. And, and among the people who got really upset were Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson, who demanded a meeting with the head of Warner Discovery. And they apparently got this meeting. And as a result, like basically a few days later, an announcement comes out that they're no longer going to be letting go of the leadership team behind TCM. And that Spielberg, Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson are now going to be curating the channel. Uh, so a big win, first of all. You love to see them go around and, and sort of peer pressure and bully somebody into doing the right thing. And, and I say, we'll take what we can get. But yeah, just it's been an interesting conversation around this story this week because I really wonder, as a guy who is uh, very, very perilously close to turning forty, this TCM has been a big part of my life. I, I I loved it. It was really what introduced me to movies when I was in high school. I knew basically like like you know I have two kids now. They're both in either middle school or high school, and they really don't know about anything that happened before they were born. Um, history or pop culture wise. And I was the, I was the same way at that age, but then I could turn on the TV and there's this channel that shows nothing but movies that have basically been guaranteed to be really important and good. Um, and I learned a lot doing that. I learned a lot of, uh, even if it was just like references that other people were making all the time. So my, my question for you, first of all, is, Am I just am I a weirdo here, or does TCM mean anything to you too, Caroline? Well, I'm a weird. I think I'm a weird question, like ask person to ask. Those are the words that go in order for what I'm trying to say. You're kind of a um, TNT person, right? You, a little, so here's the thing: when I I spent eight years overseas growing up, and they did not have Turner Classic Movies uh, on the Armed point. Forces Network in England or Germany, so. My association of TCM is going to see my grandparents. So either my granny or my grandpa, <laughs> grandma right. And I always, for some reason, my first thought was like, oh, that's a channel that showed Westerns. Like, I don't know sure. why that's like the association in my mind. So yeah, it wasn't one that I watched a ton like growing up, but it's something that, like you said, like, um, it's always interesting to me, like how, what movies kind of, per a lot of pop culture TV shows, movies, and I think especially music and movies that you grow up watching is a direct reflection of what your parents liked for the most part. This is a gross generalization, but like, you know, I grew up listening to the Beatles and Celia Dan and ELO and so, and I still am, I told her, I'm like, we're, we're going to speak to the, the king of dads, Ryan Nanny here in a little bit, but like, I've got dad vibes. You know, I'm not a dad, but I've got dad vibes and I like that's, that's fine. But you I do. You know, I I, I think I think it's one of my favorite things about you, Caroline, but you absolutely have dad vibes. Strong dad vibes. <laughs> so, and so like I grew up watching Terminator, Alien, like and so, you know, um, and a few of those things that come out, the Indiana Jones movies, like uh, sure. Star Wars, like things that came out before I was born, obviously, or that I was not, you know, supposed to be watching in 1987 um, that, you know, I watched later. And so I think TCM has been so important as a way to have people find classics. And the thing that gets really intimidating is when you now look at what's considered a classic and then you're like, Oh, that's a classic now. Okay. That was new when I, um, but my most interesting, my most fascinating is one. I like you said, I love that these big name directors 
were like, we got to, we got to do something. My question to you, do you think that they could get, especially no offense to Paul Thomas Anderson, but when you throw around like Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese, do you think they could get a meeting with anyone they wanted? <laughs> Literally, like, yeah. who says no? Very, very, there's, there's very few people that would say no, probably. I, I think, right? I think that you would have to be, you'd have to be a person who is completely divorced from culture to yeah. not care about those guys. And thankfully, if if there is one sort of kryptonite for CEOs of entertainment companies, it's that they really do want to be cool. They they want to be part of this this sort of like exciting uh glamorous part of the world w- that makes all of our culture. And they want to make a lot of money for themselves and their shareholders. And that's ultimately what drives most of their decisions. But they also, there is a part of them that has gone to enough of these parties and they, they're, they have brains that are relatively like ours in that when they see like Margot Robbie or something, the little part of their brain goes off that goes, Holy crap. That's a famous person. And they like being part of that. And I think the one of the I think what's what's interesting about how this whole thing went down is like one of the worst things that could happen to somebody like that is that the whole that whole community knows your name and knows it as a bad thing and thinks that you suck. Like, yeah, that's that's the worst possible outcome for them. Yeah. And and so I think we need to learn from this situation and we need to apply more of that kind of shame and social pressure to the people who are running <laughs> these companies. Matt Scalisi, bullying works. <laughs> it absolutely does, yes. I, I'm saying we what we learned is that we should send Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Spielberg, and Martin Scorsese to go get a lot more things done. Like, uh, yes. Like, let's let's put them... Like, You're now on every like geopolitical cabinet. <laughs> like, yes, send them to the G7. Yeah. yeah, we're sending you to NATO. We're going to send you to a few of these big meetings worldwide in the states. Yeah. Doesn't matter. PTA meetings does not matter. We are Paul, sending that stands for that actually stands for Paul Thomas Anderson meeting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, he was born for it. So yeah, I think it's I think Sorry. it's kind of cool. And and now they've got this like great collection. Like yeah, it's such an interesting. It's interesting. I think it's it's cool. I, I you know you you brought something up there too. Um, about how we inherit culture from our parents, which is something that I have been thinking about a lot lately as a, as a dad who has a, you know, a girl in high school and a boy in middle school. And I, I think everybody does it different ways. And I'm not saying that there's a, there's a correct way to do it, but I, I think there are some parents who say, Hey, we're sitting down and you're watching my movies and this is what we like as a family. Yeah. And, (laughs) And then there's people who just say, I don't, I don't care. Watch whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle there that I haven't really ever tried to force my stuff onto yeah. my kids. I, I, I never said like, Hey, we're a star Wars family. Okay. You guys are all <laughs> going to be into star Wars. Cause I like it. Um, yeah. But there are what, what, what I think is interesting watching them is, um, they grow up now in such different conditions in terms of how you would even discover something yes. that was a part of the culture that existed before you. And, yeah. and, you know, when I, again, when I, when I think when you and I were kids, when we were growing up, 
there was a lot of curation. There was a lot of lists. I think about that AFI 100 list. Do you remember that yeah. that came out? And it mm -hmm. said, here's 100 movies that are all good and important, and you should see all of these. And a lot of people did. But that kind of thing doesn't really exist anymore. It, it's just that all movies and TV shows are always available yeah. to them. And they're all sort of equally weighted. And they yeah. just sort of say, hey, figure it out. If you want whatever you want to watch, it's all here. Well, and our options, right, were I remember we watched a lot of Star Wars. Or, and not only... I'd only seen episode five and six for a very long time because we didn't have four taped off of TV. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> right now, like we had that, like, so it was what you had uh, available to you. So, and that was part of so a lot of times, like when it was, when it came to Terminator two or aliens, like it was something where my dad was like, okay, I wanted to show you this movie. Not like a, you're going to sit down, you're going to like it, but it was more like he was sharing something that he really enjoyed. And so it was like, you know, and I, I also realized like, a lot of badass women in tank tops was like a formative thing for me, I guess. When like with Ripley and uh, <laughs> uh, Sarah a, Connor. This like, is a side. <laughs> this is a side genre that parallels. Uh, what did we say last week? Extremely cool dudes. This is, yeah, exactly. It's like, this is badasses women in tank, tank tops. Yeah, badasses yeah. in tank tops. And so it was that. So you kind of watched that way, or it was the you went Friday night to Blockbuster. And I know there's a lot of Blockbuster yes. jokes on stuff, but I'm telling you, life was good in like 95 <laughs> you're rolling up to Blockbuster. Or we went to the movie place on base, whatever it is, and you peruse. I mean, you haven't lived until you've had to call a blockbuster repeatedly to ask if something was returned. Like if the movie that you wanted had been returned, you know, and so it was this can whole- Can you check the return bins? Can you check the bin? Just check the bin for me, please. Yeah. You know, like just annoying this person who works there. And so you kind of like, it was a very, like you said, it's a very different way because you had to be so deliberate with what you chose and what you watched. Because sometimes it was like, that's what you got for the week. Like that was like your movie, movie night, you returned it. And then you had to plan and figure out like what you want to watch next. And like, um, yeah, it was a very different way of curating what you watched and you had, and I, I mean, I think it was yeah. curated for us and, and, and yeah. I, I, I'm sure there's, there's an argument to be made that there's, that that's not necessarily good, but I, to me, it, it, I think it led me to watch a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have watched otherwise. And I think I, it's something I think about for my kids because so little of any of this is curated in any way. There's not a person putting it together to say, this is what's, this is what's sort of worth your time. This is what's worth watching. And so a lot of kids just sort of don't watch any of that stuff and they just watch whatever's new and that's it. And that's why we have, that's why streaming works the way it works. But I, yeah. I you know, I, I hope, I hope that something like what Scorsese and Spielberg and PTA are doing here with curating a TCM feed that I hope will end up on, on max on the streamer too, uh, like a playlist, right. That those guys yeah. made, I think that kind of stuff is great and we need more of it in streaming. And, and, um, there's other services that do it, but a lot of them don't do a great job of it. So I don't know. It's an interesting concept to me to see that these guys are going to be doing that. And I think it's something we need to think more about as we get further down the streaming rabbit hole. Yeah. All right, well, we'll be right back with our guest uh, here on For the Water Cooler. Hang tight. All right, welcome back. Uh, we are super excited to be joined this third episode. Our good friend, Ryan Nanny, is here. Shut down full cast, but more importantly, uh, the biggest speed fan 
the movie uh, that we know. So, Ryan, how are you? Thanks for coming. What's going on? Uh, I'm good. I, I, I expect you both thought I would pick speed. For I kind of I, 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 I expected you to zag when we when we were thinking zig. I know yeah. you enough to know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Caroline have t- Caroline and I have talked about speed extensively. We yes, we've talked about quite a few movies extensively. Um, have Have you two already discussed the trailer that came out yesterday for the Liam, Liam. Neeson? No, we have not. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's I mean, it's, it's I, honestly has he done one on a train yet? Because I feel like that might be. We're getting close to like the only modes of transportation that Liam Neeson has not had to like save somebody from or on. Uh, yes, like, if you if boat, you Google like, Liam Liam Neeson train movie, you get a movie called The Commuter, <laughs> which he go. was which he was in with Vera Farmiga. Of course. I mean, I mean you're I just playing it. you're playing big numbers at this point with Liam yeah. Neeson. Let me try this. He's like Liam Neeson hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> there is a tra- there is a trailer for something. I'm not sure if this is a real movie or not. Liam Neeson call us. We will think of uh-huh. every possible what is that like wind boats whatever down in uh down in New Orleans area, yes. Louisiana. Yeah. Air, we can do air boats. Yeah. Air boats. Yeah. 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 We'll do an air boat movie uh, for you. Yeah. Jet ski movie. Um, I, I don't see him being a motorcycle guy. I think there's too much effort involved. What if it's one of those like three wheel ones? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The trikes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can see that. <laughs> We're already off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> I told you Ryan, we'd stay on topic. Ryan, I, I do want to know why why you decided to select the Italian job because what what's what's interesting about this is I remember seeing this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking this is really good, mm-hmm. um, which because I was like 20. Um, and now I watched it again this week and we'll get into it. But um, it was a it was a very interesting reminder of what a dumbass I was as a twenty year old for sure. <laughs> um, I think this is not a movie that I'm like, oh, this is deeply important to me. I have probably seen this movie uh, three times. <laughs> but what I was for whatever reason, it was on my mind recently because I was like, hey, remember the Italian job? It is such a like of its time movie there are so many elements of it that you're like well that's that's just silly that's just nonsense like what you wouldn't do that now but in some ways it it, like looking back at when this came out relative to other things this came out about a month before too fast too furious classic so it it is like it is in some ways a seminal film I would argue. I, I think this movie should be in the Library of Congress. I, I think that this is <laughs> this is such an important cultural document of 2003 that I, I watching it like every moment of it was if I showed it to my kids now, they wouldn't understand why anything right. in it is in it. Right. Because it's, right. it is so referential to the exact moment yes. it's made in. Yes. And it does. 100%. And it does preview like you're talking about it, it isn't too fast too furious mm-hmm. it's actually a much better indicator of what the the fast and furious movies would Will later become. become yes 
yeah. dragging a safe through the. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it is the most F. Gary Gray ass movie I have ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible because, I mean, we have our names displayed here, and there's literally, <laughs> well, first of all, it's not just a character, such as an actor or character. It's Seth Green, which yes. alone is Her so too Chef's kiss. Like, oh. <laughs> Seth then, Green, most deaf. These are yes. uh, just like, <laughs> yes. oh, everything's really, I mean, who would have thought that Jason Statham would have had arguably the biggest career after this? We'll and I think this was for sure the this was for sure the first thing that I can remember seeing Jason Statham in. This this had to have been like was an this introduction. The transporter, like I think transporter came well, like right transporter after this came movie. out just before this. Just right? before this, okay. well, I don't think done... like people knew anything, right? I, unless like... you were a unless you were a Guy Ritchie person, yes. you probably didn't <laughs> True. know because yes. he was in. Um, snatch. He's snatch. snatch. Yeah. yeah, which is excellent. Yeah. Still, that movie's great. Um, but yeah, so not only is it Seth Green, Seth Green playing a character who calls himself Napster and makes everyone else call him Napster, and then you've got all of the Edward Norton and his Edward Norton glory mm-hmm. with the most 2003 goatee, and then just Mark Wahlberg with the confused Mark Wahlberg conversations, like just you know he's always like, "What do you? Mean? What do you?" The mean? master. The mastermind. Mark yes, Wahlberg. the most the one that everyone entrusted to get this all done. And I will say, I, I take it back. Charlie's Theron has obviously had the most incredible career. <laughs> it kind of she kind of floats above this movie a bit. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> because she's a goddess, and somehow, I, arguably, looks the same, if not better, than she did when this movie came. Right, out, right. Which carries. Yeah. Uh, Caroline, I do want to. I do want to ask you something because we haven't discussed this prior to Ryan coming on here. But what did you think of Edward Norton's performance in this movie and, and the amount of um, like effort he was putting in? I I'm, I'm genuinely want to know because then I want to tell you something about it. I know, I know where Matt is going with this and I'm very excited. I would say aloof at best. <laughs> uh, it's almost like it felt at times that he was in a different movie than everyone else. Like... He certainly wished he just he was, was kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like he showed up and he's just, I don't know. There's the scene where she's doing the, like, is it cable at the house? Yeah. She's supposed just, to be a cable to be, guy. Yeah. The, <laughs> totally. Charlie's Theron is supposed to be a cable guy. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing one more time. Charlie's. <laughs> um, that scene to me, it's the, it's the, like, I'm so sexy bravado mixed with the like, what am I doing here? That's just, it's art. Like it's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> so, so the interesting thing about Edward Norton in the Italian job is that he essentially did this movie with the gun to his head because he, he was under contract. He, he had a binding agreement with Paramount because of a movie that he made the first movie of his entire career called primal fear. He signed a deal that basically said, if you do this movie, you have to do two other movies for Paramount and you have to be paid a really small amount of money for them. This um, is this is like what I don't think this is how it works anymore, but this was very common. Really? For, because he was a brand new actor and it was sort of like if we're going to take important a chance role. you. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think he got nominated for an Oscar for that. role. That's right. And it, the idea is sort of like, OK, we're going to take a chance on you. And if it pays off and you are this superstar that we think you're going to be, you give us two movies, two at, movies. A dis- at a discount. But yeah. like there there are some and I don't want to step on Matt here, but like no, the no. idea here is like 
old Hollywood used to work this way and you'd see people like it just be like, yep, they, here's Elvis and this or here's John Wayne. And like they just like because you this those were the days when like you worked for a studio. They allowed him to go off and do other projects and it sort of like stopped the clock on his whole. Co- I've read too much about this. I'm sorry. No, no yeah. He, he he went on and became a big famous guy that you could yes. actually like draw people to the box office. And in the meantime, Paramount just keeps going like, hey, man, you have to do it. You, you have to do two more movies for us. And he fought it. And and I think he sort of negotiated it down where they said, look, you can do one, one. movie for a million dollars. Yes. Which is still more than they were going to pay him originally. Um, and he, he, he ended up in this one. But he was – what's really funny is he was doing press. And you and I have done like press junkets recently yeah. for movies, Caroline. He was doing – interviews before this movie in which he was just openly saying i don't want to be in this movie i i i will show up on time and i will do the job and i don't i don't want to i I won't enjoy it i don't want to be here i Um, cannot imagine doing a junket and and getting that like you think you're like all right because here's the thing like sure we've made jokes about like what in 2003 and i still enjoy what like i actually put it on randomly like a month ago because i saw it come across i guess what would it be in in paramount paramount no. plus probably yeah, yeah Paramount sure. Plus, yeah. Right. and i was like i haven't seen that in forever you know how cool it made mini cooper's look you know what i mean like, that was like, <laughs> 2003. like it was just like yeah. mini cooper's yeah we're gonna yep. pull off this heist with our mini that drives with our awesome green. with our awesome rc cars that we can yeah. ride on yep. <laughs> so like there could be, I mean, there are way worse movies that they could make you do. Like, you got to hang out with Donald Sutherland and Charlie's Theron and, like, I think he was dad, probably Jesus really, he was probably really up his own ass at this point in terms of, like, thinking of himself as a very was this, prestigious actor. Remind so, me of the timeline on what else had come out. Fight Club was... For him? Yeah. Yes, he had done, he had done, uh, he had done, hold on, I'll pull it up right now. <laughs> so he had done, uh, rounders he had done people versus larry flint he'd done american history x he'd done fight club oh he'd yeah done, he'd done the score which is also which is, a good a fun heist movie as well but but, uh, but probably a little more prestigious because of who he was yeah, working yes like movie. brando's in it de niro is it angela bassett it's yes it's yeah, a different they're exchanging brando and de niro for mark Wahlberg and seth green but <laughs> but the the year before this amongst other movies that he did he did death to smoochie and so i'm a little well, famously like, one of the worst I'm movies a of all like time. ed yeah. norton i don't think you get to do death to smoochie and then be like no 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 i'm very get off your high cooper I'm very <laughs> well so part of it was that he had he had been trying to work with paramount to figure this out and he had i think he had uh expressed interest in doing the talented mr ripley and they were like nope matt damon's doing that you're not getting that part and and they, they, he claimed that he had had a meeting with the head of the studio where she had said, we will not force you to do a movie you don't want to do. Like, we will find a project that works. And then, lo and behold, I think he's doing like an off-Broadway play with Catherine Keener at the time. His agent calls him and is like, in one month, you have to report to set for this film <laughs> that you don't want to do. We're sending you to Venice. Yeah. But like, overall, it's not... It's. It doesn't seem like the worst thing that you could have been forced to do. It doesn't it's seem like a heavy lift even... either. Like no. he's not doing a lot. He's, no. I think all of his scenes were probably filmed in three separate locations. Right. You're like the smarmy bad guy. Like, right. 
it's kind of you could i mean he did he completely mailed it in <laughs> like and you just get to be the like it does work for him a little guy. bit it works yeah. for him a little bit because he yeah. does i buy that he doesn't like any of those yes. people yes. <laughs> yes i absolutely buy that he would backstab all of them now yes. here's here's my question is the facial hair a revenge move against the studio <laughs> yes <laughs> well uh 2003 i just it's the least believable like he just has this vibe of like oh i'm a ladies man everyone loves me i'm so handsome and charming and i'm like what do we have going on here steve what is everybody wants to sleep with steve (laughs) (laughs) Steve, Steve. and he probably 100 percent talks about himself in the third person oh yeah 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 yeah, the ladies love steve yeah Yes. And he like I can just see him like combing the goatee, talking to himself in the mirror, like yes. <laughs> <laughs> today, Steve. In general, and again, this is probably a very 2003 thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is a movie that, without question, during the era where the Maxim Hot 100 issue was was selling well, right? Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot of like sort of casual misogyny is yes. the punchline of mm-hmm. the joke. Mm-hmm. Like guys sitting around just sort of like talking about speakers that blowing women's clothes off and stuff like, and, and it's the joke. Isn't like they're gross. The joke is like, that's a funny thing to say and sure. think about. Sure. And uh, I, I just looked it up. 2003 people's sexiest man of the year was Johnny Depp when he was doing pirates of the Caribbean. So I wow. think that's also awesome where you're like, learn, yeah. we're definitely learning about the like appeal of, of creepy scuzz. facial hair. Yeah. You know? I yeah, want yeah, to yeah. someone just one day. Well, I mean, I know it's like a long, permeating hairstyle or facial hairstyle from back what but someone's just like you know we should bring back he like just joking around with his friends and like shaves the sides off he's like and this boy's like dude that looks pretty cool like maybe thin it out what if you thin it out more like make mm-hmm. it real thin and weird mm-hmm. matt, so, matt i'm I mean, gonna ask i'm gonna ask chin strap so matt did you ever have a soul patch face never i i actually went from I have had two phases of facial hair in my okay. entire life. And one was no facial hair yep. and one was a full beard, what I have now. And, and it was literally uh, to, to give our, the, our eager audience the backstory of my facial hair. <laughs> it was literally happened because I forgot to pack a razor uh, sure. on a trip to Disney World. And by the end of the trip, my wife was like, this is kind of working for you. Yeah, so this that, is what that's Rob, it. A you know woman that, gave me one compliment, and yeah. that changed. That's it forever. That Robert Frost poem, <laughs> Two Roads Diverged, the Yellow Wood. That's what this is about. Yeah, <laughs> that that's facial hair journey. Forgetting the razor changed my life forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not too late to do this soul patch thing. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> It's still, it's still an option. Still, on the I mean, you could argue it's too late because it's not 2002 anymore. It's a little. <laughs> what it is, if the 90s are back right now, you'd be a little early. But I think yeah. in like four years, it's yeah. going to be like the soul patch is back. If I had to see those those black <laughs> stretchy plastic chokers again, <laughs> well, I hope I hope possible. I hope you all haven't thrown away your black and white checkered fedoras. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the trajectory is heading that direction. Oh my God, Ryan, Ryan I I do want to I do want to ask you about the the car element of this movie yeah. because what's what's something that struck me watching it because again I, thinking back to my feelings about it at the time I was like this that was like the big selling point of the movie yes. was all of these awesome car chases and I guess maybe this is sort of an inevitable thing over time in all movies but like it seems kind of tame now 
I guess given just what the sort of what has happened to the car chase in the ensuing 20 years in movies. Sure. Um, I think that's fair. I think like, I kind of like that. So, so my understanding, I haven't seen the original, but my understanding is like the mini Cooper element is one of the few things that they carried over from the Michael Caine original, which I think is from the sixties or seventies. And I remember thinking at the time, uh, and I agree, I still think this now that, there's something kind of like fun about picking such a non-obvious vehicle <laughs> yeah. for, for your high-speed chase or for your, you know, like to, to do something like this because you do have Fast and the Furious is over here, like kind of in the background, still sort of percolating. Um, the Mission Impossible movies haven't really done a lot in this regard, but like overall, it's just like, oh, that's not a car you would use to steal a um, armored car full of gold. And, and that, that like juxtaposition is I think what makes it kind of charming and why it's still, even though you wouldn't necessarily say like, Oh, this is, um, this is the, this is the greatest car, car chase in history. It's very memorable. What you know what it is. This movie is Darren Sproul's. Where nobody's like, Darren Sproles is the greatest running back in history, but you're like, he was fun to watch and he had a very specific and memorable skill set. Yeah, they're they're robbing, they're stealing gold with a third down back. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, the linebacker's on him. He's going to, oh man, he's out. He's gone. That's it. Well, and it's the thing that I think is super fun. We've joked about the cast, but the, I'm sorry, the cast works for me. It works because I, I just... Mark Wahlberg is Mark Wahlberg. I I am still one of the people I loved when I watched Uncharted. I thought it was great. And I just see Mark Wahlberg now and I picture him saying in that movie where they're like doing this treasure hunting, all this stuff. And I think right. they were in Romans. I forget where, where in the movie they were. But Tom Holland is like, hey, we need your help. He's like, I'm literally in a Papa John's right now. And I just hear him saying <laughs> that. And that's like the vibe he brings to like everything, right? It's like no, the SNL skit where he's like, say hello to your mother. Like It's, it's, hard, that, it's hard to like put to 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 like specifically draw out what what is the essence of Mark Wahlberg yes. but, but I can say that something that is definitely essential Mark Wahlberg is the idea of having a mentor whose lasting advice to you is to find a girl and settle down and become happy and what your what his brain does to that is the girl is that guy's daughter <laughs> That's a very mar- oh clearly this guy thinks that he wants me to marry his daughter like right, right. that's a very that's, that's his the, blessing yeah the sort of the sort of like uh, confidence that is over the one hundred percent mark on the mm-hmm, meter mm-hmm. the other thing I like about the cast in this and this is the thing that kind of bums me out about this genre now and I'll use Fast and the Furious as an example Fast and the Furious used to be very comfortable saying like hey we have people on the team who do different things, but like not all of them can drive and not all of them can fight. And they, you know, like they're, they, uh, they can do the thing they're good at, but they can't do a lot else out there. And now we're in situations where it's like, Oh, ludicrous can like hold his own in hand to hand combat and everyone can drive. And I like that. This is a movie that was like, yep. Seth Green has this role to play and like that's yes. like it, it's not this oh everybody is kind of a uh 
real world superhero. Um, and the Oceans movies, the, the original Oceans, uh, the Oceans, Oceans Eleven rather, like kind of leaned into this as well. Caroline left. I guess she was bored. Ryan, the 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 quote that I think about a lot with action movies is is I think it was I think Jackie Chan is the person who originated this, but he said basically for for you to buy an action movie, it has to look like the hero doesn't want to be doing what he's doing at all. <laughs> and I, and I think some of these guys in the cast do are, are doing that. I, yeah. I'm not, I think Mark Wahlberg kind of looks like he likes doing it, but every, and everybody else for sure, like most Depp and Seth Green are not, they, they are properly terrified. And I think it sells the action a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, the other thing this movie does that I like is uh, things go wrong. And you don't ultimately learn, like, that was the plan all along. We knew things would go wrong, and we wanted them to go wrong so that they could happen. This Like, there is something more fun about, oh, everything has collapsed in on itself, and the <laughs> element of surprise is gone, and, and, and now we have to, like, figure it. It's, it's fun to watch a movie where you're like, oh, this is – I'm not looking at, like, omnipotent – an omnipotent group that can overcome any obstacle. It feels like there are like stakes and the chances of things going wrong. Yeah. No, it's we, have, we have not come back down the, the parabola of fast and the furious right. franchise. Right. We're right. still in that sort of middle area here. Right. Right. And like we have a character named handsome Rob. How am I possibly <laughs> going to be mad at that? And his skill is essentially that, Women are attracted to him. That's what his. That's what he brings to the group. So now, now here's where I have to ask Caroline. Matt, I've already asked you an uncomfortable question. Caroline, it's time to ask you an uncomfortable question. Is Jason Statham handsome? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he is very good looking. He's very handsome good looking. Rob is a handsome. Rob is a is a an appropriate nickname for him in this movie. What I don't percentage? Know what, what percentage of this is the accent? A solid 70 plus. Wow. That's doing a lot of work. It's doing a lot of work. He's, I mean, he's got like, it's the whole, it's the vibe. He's got, he's got the vibes. Like it's the aloof bad boy, but not like super dangerous to you. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're not worried about him. Like he probably does dangerous things, but you're not worried about him. Um, He's also got great comedic timing. This is like, I probably do this multiple times over the course of this podcast, however long it goes. Um, Spy is one of the most underrated comedy movies of our time. Totally agree. very dramatic about it. Totally agree. And he is fantastic in it. He's so funny. It's, and so he has a, he does a good job of the like gruff. He doesn't really want to be there, but he's good at doing everything that he does. Like doing when he's driving through LA traffic, no notes. It's, it's outstanding. Like it's just, he's, I would, I would, he's watch a lovable, cr- he's a lovable crank. Yeah, a very lovable crank. Speaking of crank, isn't that also one of his? <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Yes, oh, like, nice. yeah, the man just basically like we talked about Liam Neeson and like his like vehicular troubles. Uh, but Jason Statham, he will find something that like he's like, yeah, I'm really good at. I'm going to be the guy that drives things around, and I will mm-hmm. make you three of those, no problem. People will go see him. <laughs> so you need to electrocute me back to life. I'm in for at least two. Let's so go. That, like, that leads me to the other thing that fascinates me about the Italian job. This I don't have the numbers, but I know this movie did very, very well. Yes. Yeah. 
And it, I know looking through Wikipedia that there were talks about doing a sequel and there and and it is unfathomable. The Brazilian job with yes. the proposed sequel, yes. If you'd made this movie anytime really from like twenty seventeen on, you would definitely get at least three movies out of this. Oh yeah, for sure. They would it and I'm sure some of it has to do with the Edward Norton stuff. I'm sure. I'm but sure. he's the villain. He's the most right. replaceable part. Sure. But I, I think, I think it was, it, it sort of just missed its moment of being one of those things that gets automatically franchised as right. soon as it happens. And I, I think it would have been tough to pull off because of how big Charlize Theron was, was about to get. Um, That's and, what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I mean, they all kind of like I said, like Jason Statham did a bunch more stuff after this. Mark Wahlberg continued doing stuff. Charlie's. When did she win like, the Oscar for for Monster? I, I think it was know. pretty shortly after this. Two thousand four. Yeah. 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 So it's literally the next year. Yeah. 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 She yeah. was huge, and then you, it, or on the other side of it, I wouldn't say like Seth Green was like because Seth. Look, we can joke all we want. So Seth Green was was popular. He was a popular comedian oh, yeah. actor at the time you can't hardly wait another super great coming of age movie of our time um everything from robot chicken that he did you know what was um what was the show he was on one of the shows which one am i uh, i don't know when family guy started but if you told me yeah. it started in 2003 yeah, sure. i would believe sure. you. <laughs> yeah. so, i mean and as much as like he was doing stuff as well most of i think is still relatively popular and i'm like not releasing new stuff now but at the time he was doing things so i can see where getting the band back together would be extremely difficult um, as I don't think that this was a launching pad for any of them. Like, I don't think that this is the one that was like, this has launched so-and-so into stardom. Cause I think transporter did for Jason Statham. Like that was the year before. But, so, but I like, think that's part of why I'm glad Ryan picked this for us to reflect on. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the, like yeah, I said, there's, it's there's a method to his madness. There's, it's, it's, like a, it's, it's, it is a, it is a little cultural document that yeah. if you just want to see what life was like at this period of time, this is a really good little indicator of that. So yeah. thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Our so, lives in ways that we couldn't even imagine. So, and we're about to return the favor. So Ryan, yes. it's the most patriotic week of the year. Yeah. You decided you wanted to talk about a movie called The Italian Job. So for our final segment this week, I decided to combine these two things <laughs> into a segment that we're calling Proud Italian Americans. <laughs> go, go ahead with the jingle, Chandler. I'm a proud Italian-American, and I'm from film and TV. And it's time for you to try and guess my identity. And I'd gladly fist pump next to you while I eat my gabagool. Cause there ain't no doubt I talk with my hands. Now here's the contest rules. I can't believe you got Tony Danza to sing that. That's amazing. <laughs> so, Every so, week they get better. I can't. <laughs> I said Alex last night. I said I just did the dumbest one yet. <laughs> we had a nanny out of me on his spirit, but we had him doing a Michael McDonald cover. Oh, he said, "Don't worry, Matt sent it to me ahead of this recording to just be like, just so you know just so what you know. you're getting into." Oh. 
Yeah. I don't get to, for people who, are, who don't know, I don't get to hear these until the moment of. So I am, I'm hearing these. When are you going to write one? And <laughs> say, yeah. Come on. It, I think she has to do it for my birthday. That's right. That's yeah, that's, that's right. fair. That's fair. That's right. That's right. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to be asking a trivia question mm, okay. about a, a famous Italian American. And in order to, now you're, you're both contestants in order to buzz in, you're going to have to gesture with your hands like this. And for people who are not watching the video feed, I am doing the traditional Italian hand motion of pinching and holding the double, my fingers the double hands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that is going to, that is going to be how you buzz in and I will acknowledge you. Okay. Uh, have four questions i have a tiebreaker if we need one okay so question number one this italian american pop singer became the first child to ever ride the zamboni machine at a florida panthers hockey game but was later injured at the same game <laughs> later injured at the same game uh when she was hit by an errant puck ryan you buzzed in first is this lady gaga this is not lady gaga oh, okay would you like would you like to steal caroline Italian American pop singer. She became the first child ever to ride the Zamboni at a Florida Panthers hockey game and was injured by an errant puck in the same game. I don't know. That would be Ariana Grande. Oh. <laughs> Tampa, Tampa native Ariana Grande. Because I was going to say, it was like Florida Panthers. I feel this is going to be really bad if it's wrong. I feel are relatively new. Like this wasn't something. Yeah, was they're, like, they're from the, the 90s. 60s, someone was. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, they're, yeah, they're, okay. they're a 90s expansion team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Not off to a great start, guys. Okay. No. <laughs> this, this, that was a tough one. This Italian-American actor is responsible for giving Bing Rames his nickname, he was born Irving Rames. He is also married to Emily Blunt's sister. Just absolutely baffled looks on both of their faces right now, folks. I know who Emily Blunt is married to, but that's yes. not yeah, totally. like, oh, He's not he's very not Italian. What was but he's been Ving Rames for a while. Well, he wasn't until he met this this the answer to this question. What is Emily Blunt's sister's name? Uh I don't know. She's not famous. Oh god. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> this is not good. Man, I thought these I thought these I thought these were gonna be pretty obvious. Gosh. He gave Ving Rames his nickname. Okay. Okay. Should I should I cheat like Michael Jr. did? No. No. <laughs> I, I I meant to say that I should have said this before the contest started. You have to show the part of the reason why I wanted everyone to buzz in with their hands is because so you can't be typing. For people who don't know, Mike Gola Jr. has been outed as having cheated in the game during episode one. He <laughs> was Googling the answers. On, all right. I'll just, I'll just, because there's right, no point. Take a shot, Ryan. Robert De Niro. It is not Robert De Niro. That would be very odd if Robert De Niro I mean, was married to Emily Blunt's sister. But Glenn. like, I think he Robert is, De Niro is married to a very young woman, and she yes. is currently pregnant. With yeah, his child. so right. that's why. Like, that's oh, that's no, why I threw that. I, I rescind saying that it was a bad answer. Okay. Okay. Now, can we? Can I get a like? A, can we get a hint for the steal? I will give you. I will give you like for the, the steal. movie that I will give you a movie. I will give you a movie that this actor was in that I know Ryan has seen and that I don't know if you have seen. <laughs> the movie is called Big Night. Correct. Oh, oh, God damn it. 
God damn it. it. For me. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Caroline, this is also a, this is also an actor from the MCU. That's correct. He is. Oh crap. Um, is it, is it, I won't, I, I won't take the points, but I know who it is. Why don't you go ahead, right? It's, it's Stanley not Robert Tucci. Tucci. It's Stanley Tucci. Oh, Stanley Tucci. It's the Tooch? Yeah. 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 Married to Emily Blunt's sister. Yeah. Of all the movies you could have given me where I would have known that Stanley well, Tucci was in it. I know. That's why, that's why I gave you that one. I mean, he is one of the main actors in it. Yeah. I don't even, I've never even heard of Big You should Night. definitely watch Big Night. Absolutely. It's a good movie. It's a very is good it movie. night as an evening or night as in ye old nights at the round table? At night as an evening. And it's okay. Stanley Tucci and Antonio <laughs> and- from Wings. I canonically, also, canonically, the best. Long it, <laughs> do you know how long it took? I would say canonically, the, yeah. Figure out who he was <laughs> in the MCU. Like I was like, yeah. I, I know it wouldn't be that helpful. So not not around long. Yeah. Big, Big Night is canonically the best movie about pasta. I would. Say. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, number three, we're O for so far. Yeah. Number three. We're going to need the tiebreaker because we're going to need the have a point. This, this beloved Italian-American sitcom actor starred in the 1981 film Going Ape as a man who inherits $5 million from a dead family member, but only if he can care for three pet orangutans for the next two years. This is this feels unfair because this sounds like something Manny would have seen repeatedly. <laughs> it's not. I agree. I, I have either seen and I am only like. I would say you have to lean on the opening sentence of this sit- question. Love sitcom actor. Well, love sitcom Danza? actor who was. It is Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> For the people listening, I did the hand motion. I did not uh, wait to no, get it. She did. Caroline she did. takes a, a nearly insurmountable lead of one to nothing going into the final question. <laughs> Shit. Ryan, you need this one. I know. This Italian-American singer-slash-actress once learned to speak with an Italian accent for a movie role and claims to have spoken exclusively in the fake Italian accent for nine months while making the film. <laughs> I think that Caroline's fingers went up first, unfortunately. <laughs> Part of me wants to let him go so we can see but I believe it is. Gaga in the house of Gucci. Yeah, it, it is. is Lady Gaga. I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the tiebreaker question just for anyway. Fun. Yeah, for fun to see if Ryan can get. Look, he knew okay. that one. He just didn't buzz he in did. fast enough. Too, too slow. <laughs> I was very aggressive though. He was. He knew it. Okay. The tiebreaker question is: What is the actual name of Bowtie Pasta? Farfalle. He got it, Ryan. Yeah. That one's worth three. I win. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) He was on it. Okay. So I got, look, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make these things easier next time. I'm I'm coming in too hard. That was tough. um... The next time we do the specifically Italian American (laughs) trivia portion of the show, I gotta adjust. Look, part of this is that, Almost anybody can be Italian American at this point. It's in true. Time, okay. I will say I was pretty I was pretty stringent on my criteria, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want to talk about uh, race <laughs> science. On <this> <laughs> what What is the movie Stanley Tucci did with Ving Rhames? Oh, you know what? That's a great question. Uh, let's Let's check really quickly. But I, I'm this, this fascinated is a weird... to hear how you 
found this tidbit. Like this is I, I searched I searched really, really uh I did a lot of deep research while I was watching uh Secret Invasion last night. Oh. They were in a movie they were in a movie together called La Fortuna. Never heard of it. No. Yeah. I do like Stanley. Oh, Tucci. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. They were roommates in college, is the answer. What? <laughs> that's such a good answer. Yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing. It's what great. a powerhouse room. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Wow. Well, this That's... ties into our, I don't know if this is spoiler alert for um, our Mission Impossible content coming up soon, but Ving Rhames is the only other actor that has been in every single Mission Impossible movie outside of Tom Cruise. That's right. And if it weren't for a very brief cameo at the end of four, would not be the case. He had no major role. He did nothing in. Oh, he's. Sh- I believe he shows up and like uh, flips. They have a, a beer together on a big satellite dish, right? Yeah. They, well, oh. He's, and then he and then he says, "I got to get out of here, Ethan." <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. They, and then they have a beer together at the end. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Remember yeah. when Anthony Hopkins was in a, a Mission Impossible movie? Oh boy, he we, sure was. <laughs> we we did have a very serious discussion about the power dynamics at the IMF, which also we need a very serious discussion about the place being called the Impossible Mission. Like force, force. force. Yeah. like yeah. that is the most ridiculous name I've ever heard in my entire life. Every movie, there's a new person in charge, and it never comes up. They literally just drop Anthony Hopkins in one. Then they're like, you know what? Now it's Lawrence Fishburne. He's in charge. Sure. There's a lot of turnover in that job. A lot of turnover. That's worthwhile because that's the movie where we get to hear Tom Cruise do his Lawrence Fishburne impression. (laughs) That's very valuable to me personally. It is very valuable. That is important in this pop culture as a whole. Our our culture, that will remain forever. (laughs) Um, And then we get Alec Baldwin... Yeah, kind of like takes over, and then we have like Angela Bassett very briefly, which I feel like we could really good too. She's 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 terrifying. The problem with Alec the problem with Alec Baldwin is I'm like, oh, it's Jack from Thirty Rock, right? And that goes into my whole discussion we talked about Jack Ryan on last week's episode because I went through when I watched on for Red October Mm -hmm. for the first time and realized Jack Ryan. Thank you. I know you're very proud of me. Like legit, not even joking. But I was like, I felt like I was just watching Alec Baldwin in a big sweater. Mm, like, okay, I didn't. He was not my favorite. Jack. To be Ryan. fair, to be fair, you have to make the sweater big to get Alec Baldwin's head through the neck. Wait, so. now, now, have you seen Beetlejuice? Yes. Okay. Yes. But that's that a very that that it, it is easy to forget that's Alec Baldwin because he's, sure. he's, he's that? incredibly. <laughs> He's very young and handsome in that movie. He's he looks like a different it's person. It's been a while. He's Gina Davis's husband. He's he's one of the like main. Ghosts. He's a dead guy. Yeah. Wow, I haven't seen it before. <laughs> Honestly, that's going to be a new segment. Like, just wait till she finds out Michael Keaton, Keaton is Beatles. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Uh, this went about right. how I thought it was going to go. Yeah, just in general, the whole thing. Yeah, but no, you won. For- hey, you won. You won the Italian American contest. She did. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say I'm two and zero oh in trivia contests. Pizza Queen Caroline Darty, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> thank you very much. I would like you beat, to. You beat the man you. who is who is making pizza on the Fourth of July. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to thank my time spent in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Like that played. She really was absorbing. Yeah, I am mostly spritzes at this point. So you know, it's all the statues of Tony Danza. 
that's yes, what, that's what he's very yeah. revered over there. He's, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is their Jerry Lewis. <laughs> uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. We we definitely would love to have you back on to pick another weird movie from the early 2000s to talk about at some point. I can do that. I can awesome. do that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. guys, for listening. You can find us uh, on all the po- podcast platforms. We are still working to get up on Apple. That should hopefully be resolved very soon. Uh, But otherwise, we will see you guys next week, where, as we said, we're going to be talking about Mission Impossible, the new one, the whole series, uh, in a very special episode. And until then, we will see you at the water cooler.